But as Carson mentioned, my name is Gabrielle Newton, Gabrielle, not Gabriella. Um, and I am super excited to dive into First Peter with you. If you guys have been here uh, for First Peter, we are actually talking about a theme of being foreigners in a familiar world. And if it's your first time here, that's great. We will still be continuing in that theme, and we will be in First Peter chapter 4. So what we've seen in First Peter so far is that while we're comfortable and familiar with life here on earth, it's actually not our home. For those in Christ, it's actually our home is heaven. And so we're foreigners, outsiders to this world, and we're journeying toward that future hope of that heavenly home. Everything in First Peter is helping us live in this tension of being in the world, but not of the world. And I think we feel this tension every single day. And why I'm excited about this passage today is we're going to actually talk about that tension and what it looks like to be a Christian in this world. But before we actually dive into the passage, let me tell you a story. All right, let me, tell, let me set the scene. 20 students, 7 staff, in a totally new location for summer mission. None of us, this is about two years ago, had ever been to Slovakia before. I don't even know if many of you know where Slovakia is, honestly. Um, but as we're headed to a totally new country, there's a few things at play. There's a new war going on between Russia and Ukraine. COVID is still pretty high, so the chance of getting COVID and getting stuck in Slovakia is totally a possibility. And no one, none of the staff on this trip had ever led a summer mission before. So the odds look great, right? Seeming really positive. Um, and so as we go, we take the long stretch to Slovakia. You have to take so many plane rides to get there. But one of our connecting places was actually in Madrid, Spain. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I didn't know this, the largest airport in Spain, okay? So huge, way bigger than Columbus's airport where you either go right or left, right? Um, but when we land in Slovakia, or when we land in Spain, we realize a few things are true. We don't have our international SIM cards, so we can't text each other. We can't speak or understand the language as they're speaking Spanish, we're speaking English. Maybe a few people could, you know, with that like high school Spanish maybe, but not the majority of us, I can't. Um, and we had about 30 minutes to get to our gate before the next plane was about to get off, which is not very much time at all. So before I continue, I want you to imagine how we're feeling. Stressed, uncomfortable, unsure, and definitely feeling like foreigners in this complex situation. I think this is also how we feel as foreigners in this familiar world. What made us feel like foreigners in that situation in Spain is that we were actually foreigners. And I think in the same way, what makes us feel like foreigners and outsiders here is we are foreigners and outsiders. In Spain, we stuck out because of how we dressed, how we talked, how we acted, and in the same way, I think how we act and talk makes us stand out as foreigners here, too. And so we're going to pause the story. We'll come to it at the end. But I want, with you to, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter 4. We'll also have it up on the screen. Um, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11 is what we're going to be in tonight. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11. Go ahead and follow along with me as I read it. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. 
for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. And they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who were dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him being glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Wow. There's a lot in there. I don't know if many of you got lost. It's kind of, that's a lot, right? It's kind of overwhelming. So we're actually just going to pull three things, just three things from the text. And so if you take away anything tonight, I hope it's these three things. First, we're going to talk about why are we foreigners in the first place. Why? Why are we foreigners? Second, we're going to talk about what does that even mean? What is Gabrielle talking about when she says we're foreigners in this familiar world? So that's the what. And third, we're going to talk about the how. How are we supposed to live in light of this reality of being foreigners? So we've got the why are we foreigners, the what does that mean, what does that look like, and the how do I live as foreigners. So we're going to dive into the why first. So why? Why are we living as foreigners in a familiar world? I actually think we see that right at the beginning. Verse 1 starts, if you look, it says, Since therefore... Christ suffered in the flesh. This is our why. This is the foundation for why we act the way we do every single day. But I think it's important when you see the word since therefore, you actually got to look before that because it's kind of going off of something. So Clay talked about this last week, but if you weren't here, it's totally fine. Chapter three is really talking about Christ's suffering. Christ suffered for us, not just to suffer for supper's sake, but he suffered for us so we could have eternal life in relationship with him. The righteous, Christ, suffered for the unrighteous, us. And I think righteousness can kind of feel like a big churchy word, right? It's like, what does that actually mean? I think a really easy way to kind of understand righteousness is being made right in God's eyes. And so it literally says, Christ suffered in the flesh. He suffered for you. He suffered for me so we could have relationship. And that's our why. That's our reason for living differently. But in verses one and two, we don't just see Christ suffering, right? We actually see more. We aren't just given the why for our lives to look different. We're actually also called to arm ourselves with this same way of thinking as Christ who suffered. We're called to arm ourselves because we're told over and over again in scripture that living as Christians is gonna be really hard. Jesus doesn't say it's going to be really great and easy. It doesn't sound great, but that's what scripture says. He does say we're not alone in it, but I think time and time again in scripture, like Matthew 10, 16 through 18, where Jesus tells his disciples they're being sent out into the world, and Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted just like I was persecuted. 
I also think of Matthew 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking to a big group of people, and he tells them that those who are persecuted will be blessed and receive the kingdom of heaven. Also, Brandon will talk about this next week, but starting in verse 12, Peter says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. That doesn't sound super positive, right? Fiery trial, ugh. But I want to encourage you, we're not just suffering for suffering's sake. We are suffering because Christ suffered, and there's a reason in it. We have eternal hope. Um, and so I think we almost like brace ourselves for this, right? This is kind of like a cheesy example, but it came to mind really quick. Um, how many of you, well, I won't even ask. I stub my toe like all the time, okay? I think I'm like somewhat like clumsy, but also like somewhat in a hurry. And it just happens like all the time to me. And so, you know, when you like stub your toe and you like know in your mind you just did it, but that pain hasn't hit quite yet. And you're just like bracing yourself. You're like, oh no. Here it comes. It's similar in that way. We're called to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking. Christ is telling us, like, this life won't be easy, but I've given you a reason and a purpose in this. And that's really our why. And so I want you to ask yourself, do I really believe that suffering for Christ is worth it? Suffering doesn't sound fun, right? You have to really ask yourself, do I really believe that suffering for Christ is worth it? And I'll be honest, this passage actually hits a little home for me. I have been wrestling through personally, what does it look like to suffer for Christ? I wouldn't say I'm physically suffering for Christ, as I think suffering looks a little different for us here in America, as it could in other parts of the, the world. But for me, I've actually been asking this question, do I really believe that suffering for Christ is worth it? I'm on full-time min- I'm a, <laughs> I'm a full-time missionary with crew here at OU, and so my life doesn't necessarily look like how I thought it would. I'm not making the money that I thought I would. I'm not living in the house or have the car that I thought I would. When I look at my friends doing other like corporate successful jobs, I'm like, wow, I could have that. And I've honestly been wrestling through that. Do I want those things, or do I want to stay here and do what I feel like the Lord's called me to do? And while that might not feel super applicable to you, I'm wondering if any of these do. Maybe you've thought this summer you're going to get your dream internship, but you kind of feel that nudge that God's calling you to do a summer mission. Or maybe it's something totally else, where you've been desiring a genuine relationship with someone who truly loves the Lord like you, and you just feel like you can't find that. Or maybe it's some life choices that you've made here at OU that other people just think you are weird that you don't do X, Y, and Z. I get it. I think really thinking through, is Christ worth suffering for, is a really valid question. And so, like I said, I think suffering looks unique as college students at OU. We aren't being tortured and killed for our faith, right? But I still think being a Christian here at OU is really polarizing, and I hear that. And so that kind of brings us to our what. We talked about our why. Christ suffered for us. Now we're talking about the what. Um, And so this is the reality of living as foreigners in a familiar world. We see in verses 3 through 6, I'll say it again, it says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. Literally in the text, we see that people are going to be surprised when we do not do the things that we do, 
or we do not do the things they do, or we don't do the things that we used to do. It even goes so far to say they will malign you. I had to look that up because I was like, that feels like a word I should know, but I don't really know. And it means to speak harmful untruths, slander, or defame. I think we shouldn't be surprised when we live our lives for Christ and we feel like outcasts. We feel like foreigners. We just feel kind of weird and awkward sometimes. The Bible literally says we will stand out. And I would go so far as to say, if we're not standing out, I think we might be doing something wrong. So I want to ask you, think of over the past couple weeks, have people questioned why you don't do something because of your faith? Have people avoided including you because of some decisions you've made? Have you heard people talk poorly about you because you love Jesus? Have you felt on the outside? Have you asked yourself if this faith is really worth it? I think our Christian walk actually becomes really scary when we feel content with one foot in the world and one foot in our faith. I think that's the scariest place to be. And I think as foreigners, we stick out. And I think it's a good thing, actually. We certainly did as we were trying to navigate through that Madrid airport. But in this tension, I have feeling like outsiders, I think sometimes there's this question of, well, what do I do with that tension? I don't necessarily want to do it, but I don't necessarily not want to do it. And I feel like this is kind of generalizing it, but there's kind of two categories that we fall into. One is we isolate, or two, we accommodate. And I think in that, we're actually called to neither, but it's so easy to do both. I think for me, when I think of hard things that I'm faced with, I tend to isolate. So that could look like scrolling my phone so that way I don't have to think about hard things. It could be watching TV so that way I can just, you know, kind of zone out for a little bit. I don't really want to be here. It could even be, I don't know, ignoring something just for the fact for it to go away. But on the other side, we can tend to accommodate. So this could be thinking, oh, I'll just go out for the night. I won't get drunk. It's totally fine. I'm going to go do that. Or it could be, wow, my family really hurt me in this, but I'm not going to talk to them about it because I want to avoid that conflict. So ask yourself, do you feel like you accommodate or do you isolate when you have to face hard tensions? But my question is, how are we to be a witness for Jesus if we withdraw from the world? And how are we to share a reason for hope if we look no different than the world? And so ask yourself this, does my life look different where people know I follow Christ? Or am I living with one foot in the world and one foot in my faith? I also, I don't want you to hear these, I don't want you to hear this talk and think this is a, oh, I'm holier than thou talk. I don't know if you've ever heard those before, but I think we have to go back to our why. Literally, Jesus suffered for us because we weren't enough. Jesus had to suffer so we could be righteous. And so I don't want it to be, oh, I can't do those things listed because of X, Y, and Z, but B, I get to do other things because of what Jesus has done for me. And so that actually brings us to our response or our how. So we know why we're foreigners, because Jesus suffered. We know what it looks like and feels like to be a foreigner in this world. And this brings us to our response. How do we live as foreigners in this world? Uh, In verses 7 through 11, right at the end, it says, Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. And he calls us to be a list of things. He says, self-controlled, sober-minded, keep loving one another earnestly, show hospitality, and use our gifts for the Lord. We need to remind ourselves why we live differently and actually put this into practice. 
I don't know if you've ever heard this about a new habit, but if you try to like take away a bad habit, but you don't fill it, it's actually scientifically proven that you'll probably go back to that old habit because there's just a gap. But when you take that old habit away and fill it with a new habit, it's actually scientifically proven that you might stick with that new habit. And so I kind of want to look at this in a similar way. Peter says, we no longer do all of these things, right, in verses 3 through 6. But he calls us to so much more in verses 7 through 11. And so I want to challenge us that we need to live like Jesus isn't coming back someday, and I can get my life together someday, but that Jesus could actually come back any day. And so the question is, okay, Peter calls me to these things, but how do I actually live these things out? And I think that's such a great question. Let's break down each way Peter calls us to live as we kind of wrap this talk up. So Peter calls us to live self-controlled and sober-minded. He actually puts those words in the same verse. And so being sober-minded actually means being rational and sensible. How we, live life for, how we live our life for Christ isn't just making flippant decisions and not thinking about the consequences, but it's actually being self-controlled to ask ourselves, will this benefit my life? Will this benefit someone else's life? Peter also continues with calling us to love one another earnestly. I love that he adds earnestly in there because there's this sense of like eagerness, excitement, urgency. It's not just, all right, love your neighbor. It's let's do it earnestly. Let's like look for those opportunities, right? He also goes on to say, be hospitable without grumbling, which I also love that he adds without grumbling. I don't know about you guys, but for me, if I'm doing something hospitable, I kind of like to grumble about it so people know, oh, wow, she's gone to a lot of effort, a lot of hard work to do it. But Peter says, be hospitable without grumbling. I think hospitality is such an actionable way to show love. And Peter actually concludes with saying, use your gifts for the Lord. What's so cool about being in Christ is you actually get spiritual gifts. And what's really sweet about the body of Christ is we all have different spiritual gifts. But when used together, we become one and we're so much stronger. And so I love that Peter not only says, hey, we don't do these things anymore, but he says, hey, let's do these things. Um, and so I think it's just really important for us to ask ourselves, at the end of all of this, if the end is at hand, as it says in verse 7, if Jesus came back today, would I feel proud of the way I lived today, or am I wasting time thinking that day off is far off in the future? So to close, I want to finish up the Spain saga. Don't want to leave you hanging. So our team's racing through the largest airport in Spain, right, to see if we can make our last plane to make it to Slovakia. If we hadn't stuck out before, we'd definitely stick out now. Think of 30 Americans running through the Spanish airport. When we arrive at customs and security, we're again reminded of all of our differences. Not many of us speak Spanish. We don't know what's going on. We don't know where we're going. And it seems like the metal detector is detecting everything but metal. So I don't know if you guys know Sarah Porterfield, but she gets sent back to the end of the security line four times, okay? And so this is what it looks like. If you get to go through, you race to the plane. If you have to go back like Sarah did, you have to go through the whole line again. And what's so complicated about this situation is one, we don't have our phones, right? So we can't check in on people. Hey, did you make it to the plane? Hey, what's happening? Two, we, we don't read Spanish. We don't know where we're going to try to get to the plane, right? And so one by one, slowly we file in, we find the plane. And Josh, who's an intern at Ohio State, he walks on the plane with his head held low and he says, they didn't make it. 
Literally, it sounds like they died. They didn't die, <laughs> but I promise he said that. And so what ended up happening is Sarah, Jake, and Jeffrey, who are all on staff, they didn't make it on the plane on time. And we had no way to communicate with them. And so a group of us, we head to Slovakia. Jake, Jeffrey, and Sarah, they stay in Madrid, Spain. And I will say, I think this was probably Jake and Jeffrey's like favorite 24 hours of their entire lives. Because they like were free to explore the town, you know them. It was actually, I asked Sarah, probably her worst 24 hours. Because she got food poisoning on top of everything. But all that to say, we really felt the weight of being foreigners in, Madrid, in the Madrid airport. People knew we were different and we acted different as we couldn't understand the signs, the language, or even figure out why Sarah got sent back four times in security. In the same way, we're foreigners in this world, journeying towards our future hope of a heavenly home. Living in this world doesn't and it shouldn't come naturally since we aren't citizens of this world. And since we're living in this world, it's going to be filled with tensions. We're going to want to do the things we used to do, but we're called to do so much more. We feel the struggle of the polarizing reality of looking different on the college campus. But I want to challenge us to remember our why and cling to what we're called to put on in this familiar world. I'll close this in prayer. Dear God, I just thank you so much for today, and I just thank you for this group that they would willingly give up a Thursday to come and worship you and be in fellowship together. I thank you for, yeah, just everything that Christ did, how he suffered for us so we could have our why, why we could be reminded that we are foreigners in this familiar world. I pray for each of us as we consider what it looks like to live in this reality and this tension of not being of the world, but being in it, what does that look like? I just pray that you would really convict each one of us of where we're at personally, of what we need to put on and what we need to take off. I thank you so much for what lies ahead and the promises that are true of us, not because of what we do, but because of who you are. Thank you so much for tonight and for the band. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the